our text this morning for the sermon is really only two verses. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Well, whenever I was a little boy, I wanted to grow up to be like Davy Crockett. As a little fellow, I had a Davy Crockett shirt, and I had a Davy Crockett radio flyer wagon. I wanted a Davy Crockett coonskin cap, but for some reason or another, Santa never got the memo on that. I, uh, I even uh, had a, one of those golden books with, about Davy Crockett. And Davy Crockett, and then, of course, there was a movie about the Alamo. This was the one before the one that John Wayne was Davy Crockett in. Fess Parker was Davy Crockett in that. And I would get in front of the mirror, and I would try to make, I would try to make faces so that I would look like Fess Parker because I thought that had to be what Davy Crockett looked like. Well, my infatuation with Davy Crockett was something that my parents used to good advantage. You see... I didn't like to eat the crust on my bread whenever I was a little boy. And so whenever we would be at the table to eat and I would have a piece of bread, I would tear the crust off and leave it on the plate. Well, in our house back then, you did not waste food and you did not throw food away. And they insisted that I eat the crust on the bread. But I argued that I did not like to eat the crust on the bread and it didn't taste good to me. Well, they told me that if I wanted to grow up and be like Davy Crockett, I needed to eat the crust on my bread. Well, that was all they needed to say. So that worked for them, but it really didn't work for me because, you see, I did eat, start eating the crust on the bread and began to enjoy it, but it didn't make me look like Davy Crockett, and it didn't make me like Davy Crockett. Matter of fact, it didn't make any difference in me, I don't really think. But you may be glad to know that today... All these 60-plus years later, I finally outgrew the desire to be like Davy Crockett. I grew out of that. You say, well, that's normal. Well, yeah, it is. Growth is normal. And growing and maturing in our new life in Christ is normal. Now, I realize that there's a lot of people that claim to know Christ, but they don't grow. And so we would say not growing is common we might say, but not growing in Christ if he is our Savior is abnormal. If you, you're familiar probably with the passage in Second Peter, Peter chapter 3 verse 18, and it clearly tells us there to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now bear in mind that the scripture never tells us to do something or commands us to do something that we can't do. Nor does it ever command us to do something only if we want to do it. Growing in grace is normal. Growing in grace is what God expects to see in our life. Growing in grace means this, is that our life with Christ must never become static. In other words, just the same, rigidly the same. If that's what happens, if our, if our life in Christ becomes static, then we become stagnant. And therefore, we have to constantly be in pursuit of maturity and growth. That's what our passage is about today. 
<coughs> pardon me, <coughs> first of all, let's understand what these two verses are talking about right here. Where it says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This does not mean that we work in order to earn our salvation. You know I know that, but we have to be reminded of it all the time. We are going to appear before Christ someday. We read that very clearly in the New Testament. And we, But whenever we appear before him, we are never going to hear him say, Well, Joe, I need, I need to do something special for you to pay me, pay you back. You've earned a big reward, big guy. Listen. Anything that we have done in our service for Christ is only what we were supposed to do. You don't earn merit by doing just what you're supposed to do. Nor does this passage here primarily refer to the restoring of health to a congregation. Now, I know that there are some people who are a whole lot smarter than I am that that's what they see this is about. To work out your own salvation means to restore the health of your congregation. But if that is what it's talking about, it's using the term salvation in a rather odd way. I don't think that we would see the word salvation used with referring to restoring the health of a congregation anywhere else in the New Testament. Really, there is a connection between the health of the congregation at Philippi and what this is talking about. In other words, uh, working out your own salvation. But... What it's talking about here is this. Is it, seems to understand, it seems to be talking about this. Understand these words as a directive that is aimed at each and every member of that congregation. And the directive is grow up. So what it's teaching us is this. Just to summarize what these two verses are saying is that we must carry out the good work which God has begun in us and bring that good work to maturity. If God's purpose for us is to be conformed to the image of his son, that must be our goal as well in life. So how do we engage in this pursuit? Well, first of all, we have to keep our focus on Jesus Christ in order to pursue maturity. Now, notice how verse 12 begins. It begins with that word, therefore. What that means is is that that word, therefore, points us back to what we have read in the previous verses. If you were to read in verses 1 through 11, like we looked at last Sunday, where it tells us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It tells us that we are supposed to humble ourselves before one another and consider one another as better than ourselves. And then it tells us that the, that the, that the prime example of humility is Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, we're supposed to have this same mind and attitude about ourselves. In other words, Jesus Christ must be our focus in order to pursue maturity. And, you know, we know that. You know, this is something that we hear all the time. And sometimes I think that we hear it so much that we really don't even think that much about what it's teaching us. Many, many years ago, I'm not sure now, I forgot to, to double check on this, but it would have to be at least 80 years ago, maybe even 100 years ago. There was a book that came out, and it was called In His Steps. It was written by a man named Charles Sheldon. Charles, this book was a, it was a Christian novel. It was back before there weren't a lot of Christian novels. And what it, was, what it was about was this. It was about this pastor who challenged the people in his church. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
who challenged the people in his church to base every action that they took on this one idea, or really on this one question, and it's, what would Jesus do? Now, a few years ago, that that began to be a thing that uh, people started talking about again, and people would wear these WWJD bracelets. And some folks kind of made fun of that. Some people just thought of that as just being so simple, just really it was just simplistic. But it may be simple, but folks, it is not simplistic at all. And it is a thing that is a right thing to do. If we want to have the mind of Christ, what we need to do is this. If we have to ask ourselves, you know, is the, is the way that I do things the way that Jesus would be doing it? Is the way that I conduct my business at work or the way that I work as an employee for someone else? Would Jesus be doing it the same way that I do it? The way that I treat the members in my family? Would Jesus treat them the way that I do? The way that I conduct myself within the body of Christ? Would Jesus do it the same way? In other words, what would Jesus do? There's nothing simple about that and there's nothing simplistic about that. Because Jesus Christ needs to be our example of humility. In order, to, in, in order to guide us to maturity. Because Jesus Christ is the prime example of humility. Understand, there is no growth in grace apart from humbling ourselves before Christ. Another thing is, is that Jesus' example of exaltation, in other words, he has been given the name that is above every name. That example of exaltation should spur us on as we seek to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ and in our knowledge of him. We look to Jesus not just as our friend. We have to look to him as our king, our ruler, and our sovereign. <clears throat> in other words, you think of who Jesus is, and therefore we should say, if my Lord, if my Savior is also my king, I want to do what he would do. I would want to ask myself, what would Jesus do in this situation? You see, and by focusing on him, in other words, understand, think about the verses that went before this, talking about this idea of having the mind of Christ and this unity. If we focus upon him, we are going to strive for unity with one another. By focusing on him, we're always going to put away selfish ambition and rivalry and all of that type of stuff. And in humility, we're going to treat others better than ourselves. There can be no spiritual growth. There can be no progress in our life with Christ if there is disunity and discord in the body of Christ. There can be no unity without our focus being on exalting Christ as Lord of Lords to the glory of God the Father, right? Another idea in this in keeping our focus on Christ is this, is that we must seek to please Christ above all others. Notice how Paul began this verse, verse 12. He said, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. We must not be like those people who appear to be spiritual as long as a preacher of their liking is in the pulpit. You may be familiar with this story. If not, it's worth your reading. In Second Chronicles chapter 24, we read about King Joash. He was, uh, he was the little boy king. He was crowned whenever he was seven years old. And there was, the high, there was a high priest at the time named Jehoiada. 
Jehoiada more or less kind of took him under his wing. Jehoiada taught him the things that he was supposed to do. I think Jehoiada taught him a little bit about what it meant to be a king. And Joash was a good king. He was a reformer there at first. But Jehoiada was an old man, and finally Jehoiada died. And look at this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 2, it says that Joash walked with the Lord or served the Lord as long as Jehoiada was the priest. But after Jehoiada the priest died, Joash turned his back on God. We can't be like that. I've seen this happen a lot, and I'm sure that you have too, that there would be someone that he would start coming to a particular church, and he would be there every time the doors were open. But whenever the pastor that was there moved on to another field of service, that guy quit coming because the only reason that he came was because of that particular pastor. Folks, what we have to do is this, is we have to understand church primarily is, is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. The mind and the attitude that we seek is that of Jesus Christ. It is not of any one particular leader in the church that we particularly like. So, in order to grow in grace, we have to keep our focus on Jesus Christ if we're going to mature. Another way that we make this pursuit is with fear and trembling. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, understand this. This does not mean that we should be afraid of losing our salvation. What it means is this, is we take this injunction to grow, we take it very, very seriously. It is an awesome responsibility. Growing in grace is not an option or an elective in your Christian life. We have to say, this is what God tells me to do, and I am going to do it. I'm going to take it very seriously. This is my goal. And whenever we pursue with fear and trembling, we, we also understand this. Why would we have any fear and trembling about it? It's because it's not an easy thing to do. And the reason that it is not an easy thing to do is that there are so many pitfalls in life, and we are aware of our own weaknesses. And I realize that, you know, once we get older and we get to be, you know, like my age and stuff like that, we're always looking back on the old days and thinking how much better they were than they are today. Well, in a lot of ways, the old days were a whole lot better, you know. You know, even if, you, if it just deals with the entertainment industry and uh, what we see in that, you know, it used to be that you could turn on the television and not be embarrassed about the words that were coming out of the mouths of the people on your television. Now, you turn on the television and you see people doing things right in the middle of your living room that you wouldn't allow them to do in person. You know, at one time, you know, there were certain things that were just considered moral issues, but now we're supposed to accept them as just options in the life that people live. We live in a dangerous society, and we live in a society that so many times exalts turning your back upon God. And we also realize that we are weak and that we can fall. I'm not too sure if this office is still there or not, but years ago, the Baptist General Convention of Texas had a man on their staff in Dallas that was a psychologist, and it was called, and his office was called the, uh, the Minister's Counseling Service, and he was there 
in his office and counseling for pastors, Texas Baptist pastors, was free. You could go to him and get the help that you needed. Uh, there were several different ones that filled that office. One of them that I got to know uh, briefly was uh, Dr. Glenn Booth. And Dr. Booth came and spoke to a group of us pastors whenever I was in one church. And he was just talking to us about counseling. He was talking to us about our own life and our own dedication to our work and to our God. And he said something that was just almost shocking. He said, every month, I talk to at least one pastor who has been unfaithful to his wife. He said, and to a man, every one of them has said that at one time they swore that they would never be unfaithful to their wife. You see, you can say, I'll never do something, but the flesh is weak and the world is strong. And the devil is a roaring lion. Don't think you can't fall. Because when we quit depending upon our Lord, we can fall just as easily as anyone else. And so we make this pursuit with fear and trembling because we realize there's a lot of pitfalls. We realize that we are weak on our own. And we also make this pursuit by the power of God. You know... We, in order to grow in grace, we depend on God. We don't depend on others to give us the strength to grow. Of course, now our brothers in Christ can encourage us and they can teach us and they can be an example for us, but they can't give us the strength to grow. Only God can do that. We have to depend on God's power and not on our own determination. You may say, well, you know, I've got, I'm a strong person and I can do this on my own. I don't really need any help. I'm going to do this. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to do it. But you know something? We don't have as much power as we think we do if that is our mindset. The only way that we're going to do this is depend upon God to give us the will and the desire to grow as well as the ability to do his will. And once again, that seems so simplistic. But it is not. We have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Remember, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into your life. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, he brings us under the, the control of God. Our life will be fully con- comes under his full control. The Holy Spirit can give us the desire and the will to make Jesus Christ our focus. He can, the Holy Spirit can give us the desire to say, this is what I want to do with my life. The Holy Spirit can give us the ability to do that. You know, whenever you read in the, in the scripture about what happens whenever the Holy Spirit controls us and fully controls us, you can read about it in Ephesians chapter 5 of the things that take place in our life. And even in our family life, you can read in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is powerful, and he lives within the heart and soul of every single believer Never sell the Holy Spirit short. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. If you are having problems in growing in your grace, if you have become stagnant in your life, and you're just saying, this is the best that I can do with my life, I want you to understand your thinking is false. 
Call upon our God. Call upon His Spirit to be at work in your life and work mightily in your life and strive in your life so that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I think that we should take care of ourselves physically. I would imagine that you would agree with that. But every now and then I begin to think that that our culture has become obsessed with physical health. Now, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. You should. Go in for a checkup. You know, take the medicine that you're supposed to take. But look at what you see on television all the time on the advertisements. I mean, every time you turn around, there's some new diet coming up. And if this diet will guarantee that you'll lose this much fat and you'll build this much muscle, if these diet pills that have been sold and hawked for the last 50 years, if they were really working, we wouldn't keep having new ones come out all the time. There are new exercise machines, and there's nothing wrong with physical exercise. It's good for you. There's nothing wrong with having an exercise machine if that's what you want. But have you ever noticed some of them that come out that are just so hokey, you know, where you just get to sit in your chair at your desk and you have this little thing that you put your feet on and go up and down? You know, please. There's new diet supplements. All this type of stuff's going on. And there's some people that just become obsessed with that. What if we became obsessed with our spiritual health? What if we became obsessed with becoming like Jesus Christ and having the mind of Christ. You know, once again in our world, we're always looking for someone that's a hero, someone that we want to copy and emulate. There are women and uh, that have done this, is that they have gone through surgery after surgery to make them look, themselves look like a life-size Barbie doll. But that's not going to last. Who wants to make their role model in life a doll that you could buy at a toy store? There's some people that uh, want to uh, look like a movie star of some type. But why do you want to do that? Why do you want to make that your goal in life? Because what you're worshiping is sooner or later going to die. Why not make our goal in life simply to be like Jesus Christ and to grow in him, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord? I've never met anyone who made that their goal that regretted it. Let's pray together. Now, our Father, again, we thank you that we can spend these moments together looking at your word. And, Lord, we call upon your Holy Spirit to be at work in us, to transform us from one glory to another, so that we can, in our lives, we can reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us lay aside all things that get in the way of our growth. We want to please you, and we want to reflect your glory to others. Father, we also ask that your hand of mercy be upon members of this body who are sick, who are not able to get out and, 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 and worship to get, uh, with others, we pray that your hand would be upon them. Guide us as a body of believers right here, that each and every one of us is an individual, that we would exalt the name of Jesus Christ.
that we would seek his mind in all that we do. Lord, we don't know what this week holds for us, but whatever it does, may we do whatever is before us and do it to the glory of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.